What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Monday and welcome to the Dialed Health Podcast. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at dialedhealth.com. And I'm Amber Simon, project manager of dialedhealth.com. And today our topic is total body corrective exercise with Dialed Health's new trainer, Josh Rasmussen. And let me tell you, it is an awesome conversation. We go into deep tissue stretching and strength protocol to fix shoulder impingement, upper cross syndrome, low back pain, and knee pain, specifically tendinosis versus tendinitis. Yeah, this conversation was so fun for me as a trainer. I felt like I got that camaraderie I used to get working in gyms with trainers. And I'd say it in this episode, but I miss that back and forth that you'd have with people and the amount that you would learn because you'll hear it throughout this episode. I progressively just get fired up. You know, we start talking about, I think shoulder impingement is our first topic and there's some very valuable protocol that we go over. It's very clear and specific, which was our goal of the podcast. I wanted people to be able to walk away with actionable steps that they can take and use immediately. And we accomplish that. But you'll notice that it goes from sort of this factual conversation to just me getting so fired up about strength training for cyclists and why we do what we do and how much we believe in it and all the angles and areas and ways our protocol supports the overall goal, which is ensuring people have the best rides possible. So I, it just was an absolute blast. And I think for anyone that wants to get to know Josh and really get comfortable communicating with him and getting coached by him, as a lot of the Dialed fam will be, then this episode is perfectly for you. Or if you just want to learn about how to fix your ish, how to just get out of pain head to toe, this episode is for you because we have a lot of empowering protocols that you can implement, like I said, today. And of course, Amber finishes with a rapid fire round and also word association, which I had no idea about what these topics were. And I was cracking up as they went through this. And this, so this is the time where you can really just get to know Josh for who he is. And you know what? You're going to fall in love with him just like we did before we hired him. You know what I'm saying, Amber? Yeah. Yeah. We all vibe together. You want to get a taste of the Dialed Health vibe. This is it. So without further ado, let's taste the vibe. Josh, the Google doc you created and the in-depth notes that you took in preparation for this episode have really confirmed that you are the right guy for the job as a trainer at Dialed Health. When I looked through this thing, I was blown away because I did not expect or anticipate you to go into such detail, but you basically wrote the full blog post for this episode. So that will be up in time for people to read. But we are going to go over these details and we really need to start with where you got the inspiration for this program and who really you worked with besides myself in the creation of the Total Body Corrective Exercise Program. Yeah, thanks. I, I don't know. I guess that's just kind of like the way my brain works. Like I, I just kind of vomit everything onto a page and take super detailed notes and then uh, try to narrow it down in a really digestible way. But uh, <laughs> so... Yeah. So I guess all my corrective exercise education has come through an organization called Active Life, and they kind of originated in the CrossFit space, helping people that are dealing with a lot of chronic injuries and pain. And the guy who kind of guided me through the course and was my instructor, his name's Dr. Ryan Summers. Uh, Dr. Ryan, shout out if you happen to be listening to this at all. He's worked with a lot of cyclists. He's a strength coach and a physical therapist. So he's, he's worked with a lot of different riders in the Cleveland areas and a couple local cycling teams. 
And just in talking with him about some of the more common things that he had seen with cyclists and then just things that I think we've seen here at Dialed Health, we started diving into things like shoulder impingement, low back pain, kind of being number one as far as one of the main issues we see for chronic pain with cyclists. And then what we call upper cross syndrome, kind of that tight neck and your head's jutted forward. And then knee pain and like, like IT band pain, patellar tendinosis, kind of chronic knee pain. Yeah. And so I felt like because this is an area that I feel pretty strong about my education in, it'd be cool to write a program and see if we can try to help riders start to work through some of these issues. We both have the NASM cert, which is the corrective exercise specialization. And this has been an area Mm -hmm. that as I've learned more about it, you realize how it almost becomes the first thing people need to do or address is, is start their strength training program with the mindset of actually fixing their ish. You know, that's like the move you quote, (laughs) which is a great follow on Instagram, by the way, fix your ish. But you realize how important it is because people are just jacked up, whether they're on a bike or or not. And this is where I give CrossFit a lot of credit is that they've done an incredible job prioritizing movement and making sure that movement is important when you're going through these workouts. And it's funny because it almost sounds counterintuitive. You think of CrossFit and a lot of people correlated with injuries and, and there's some truth there. I think it's because the intensity is so high. It's very competitive. I mean, it is a full on sport, but it's a sport I'm a huge fan of. And I've noticed that training people in person, when they have a background in CrossFit, they always have better squats, better deadlifts from someone who basically hasn't. So they have a leg up in that sense. And to know that you basically trained in that world on top of the formal education you got through National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is where I did all my certs as well. It's a great combination because you put that experience on top of the book smarts, and then you really know what's important for like the majority, because it's interesting. People do have these very individual needs, but you can start grouping people together. Whereas they have these certain things happening and most likely X, Y, and Z protocol are going to help them. And so creating this corrective exercise program, that was our goal. We're like, okay, let's go in assuming that someone really needs a whole body revamp. They've got some pain in their neck. They've got pain in their shoulders. They have uh, low back pain, maybe knee pain. Things feel achy. Let's reset their body. And it's a perfect setup into another program that they can continue even and put that much more focus on their strength training and their intensity. So with that being said, We have very detailed notes, as I mentioned, on each specific (laughs) protocol to address each issue. And that's what I want to go down uh, really and give it with absolute clarity for people to go ahead and implement. So we got to start with the shoulder impingement. Uh, Can you tell us what a shoulder impingement is? Yeah. So shoulder impingement is actually something I dealt with quite a bit just through my first few years of training in the gym and being a skinny guy, like wanting to really build up my chest and my shoulders and the front of my body to look good. So shoulder impingement is essentially like it can be diagnosed or undiagnosed by a doctor, but really it's just poor scapular movement and kind of the inability to upwardly rotate your shoulder blade. What would that feel like to someone that doesn't know what it is? Yeah, usually you'll feel like a clicking in your shoulder or just if you're reaching overhead, it can be pretty painful. Like that was the main thing I had experienced. Like anytime I would reach up overhead or do any kind of like strict overhead press, it'd be like a little bit of a clicking in my shoulder and it would just be painful and, and just kind of ache for, for a little while after the workouts. Like when you're resting, it doesn't really bother you, but it's more specifically when you're moving and your shoulder just pretty much isn't able to 
glide and slide smoothly in its socket. And also I have to add, if you, if you don't mind, Josh, I've dealt with this yeah. too because of a torn rotator cuff in my left shoulder. Mm. And I had basically my pec minor and my anterior deltoid to so the front of my shoulder and kind of going into my chest was really overcompensating for a lot of stuff my rotator cuff would do. And it got crazy overdeveloped. And I remember at one point, right as I was doing my training certification, my left shoulder was literally an inch or so higher visually. Like my whole posture had changed. My shoulder was literally yeah. raising up and it was wild looking and it was pulling forward. And I started getting this shoulder impingement where I couldn't even turn my steering wheel on my car. Like if I lifted my left arm across and tried to just make a turn, it would have this crazy jabbing pain. And I got a little bit of the clicking, but I had to point this out because this is sort of another symptom of it where you get your shoulder basically starts raising and there's this inflammation from your, I can't remember what exactly is hitting the acromion process, but there's that ice pick looking type piece of your bone that your muscle mm -hmm. starts hitting and it just gets more inflamed and more inflamed. And that's where a lot of the pinching pain comes from. So I just had to add that as another uh, potential symptom for shoulder impingement, but carry on. Yeah, totally. No, totally. And I, I, I remember feeling like a lot of the same things. So I remember I had to go to a chiropractor for it just because that was my first kind of that was my first thought was go to somebody who can maybe loosen up my shoulder a little bit. And that's, that's totally good to do. But really what's going to solve it is strength work and properly dosed movements. And, and a lot of times shoulder impingement is a result of neglecting to train that upward pulling movement. So movements like high pulls or, or also called upright rows. That was the big one that I found really helped it. Like starting to implement those into my workouts and then doing things like rear delt flies and like face pulls with use like a cable pulling machine or like TRX. Those are a lot of movements that you'll see in the corrective exercise program to really start to balance out the shoulder and build the muscles like your, your rear delts and like kind of lower middle traps, like back of the shoulder to really start to pull you back and, and balance you out again. Because uh, like you mentioned, the front of your shoulder can get, but usually it's because the front of your shoulder is super overdeveloped and yeah, you neglect to train that upright row movement. So yeah. You, you know, really, you're getting at to the fact that you want to train the backside of your body. And even with the upright row, I hadn't thought of that. But you're essentially training the movement of your scapula, because as your arm comes up and down, your scapula sort of wings in and wings out to move. Yeah. So if you're holding your scap in place, and you're training that movement, I could see how it would also build the muscles to hold your scap in the right position. Whereas, you know, it's more obvious with a retraction movement where, okay, let's just say the front of your shoulders really tight, let's make the back of your shoulder stronger to kind of overpower it and make sure that tight front shoulder and that overly strong front part of your shoulder doesn't keep getting stronger while the backside gets weaker, throwing things out of alignment. So a lot of it is just recorrecting yeah. alignment. And a lot of those come from a back movement. So it's cool you mentioned the upright row because I know that's in the corrective exercise program. And I did the single side in my workout last week and it was really wild feeling and, and crazy how much your core actually has to turn on to get that thing right. And I have to add in, if you are like Josh and have had a history of trying to bulk up, let's say, and doing a lot of chest movements to start your workout programs with a two to one back to, ch to chest or pulling to pushing sort of ratio or approach can be really beneficial where for every chest movement or pressing movement, you do two pulling movements or rowing movements. It's just a good way to kind of re-get that alignment back. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that I would implement that too, I would just start like one to two times a week implementing like kind of the upright rowing movement. And this is more specifically to target the shoulder impingement um, using upright rows or high pulls and things like, like rear delt flies, just follow a general progression that increases 
your load and begins to decrease your volume every two to four weeks. So start with like three sets of 12 to 15, just kind of ease into it, develop a tolerance, and then move into like three sets of 10 reps, start to increase the weight a little bit, and then eventually four sets of six to eight reps. Yeah, every two to four weeks. And over time, you should start to see things even out. But even just for general shoulder health, I think the shoulder prehab routine that we have on the site works really well with a combination of the release work of the rotator cuff and chest using the lacrosse ball. And, and that can be really good to do beforehand before you start doing the strength work, because really what that does is creates a window for you to have improved range of motion and then be able to take your shoulder through its full range of motion as you're doing the movements. And one of the main principles I, I kind of want to get at here is, is that strength is gained in the range that it's trained. So to kind of improve your mobility, improve mm. your strength, it's not enough to just foam roll or release it and, and statically stretch it. Like you need to then incorporate the strength work and take it through, take that joint through its full range of motion with that time under tension. Overhead carries, I found are another one that are usually pretty safe and they work great. So that would be another one that uh, that you'll see throughout the corrective exercise program. And it's a great way to really lock in that overhead range of motion. So dude, I love that quote about, uh, what did you say you only, <laughs> wait, 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 strength is gained in the range that it's trained. Thank you. <laughs> I forgot how yeah, smoothly yeah. that was said. <laughs> strength is gained in the range it is trained. Uh, I absolutely love that. And it brings up a point that, you know, mobility isn't just flexibility. You have to put yourself under load mm -hmm. and you can't rely on external things to put you into a position. Like you need to move your body and be able to put itself into a position. And ultimately you'd be strong in a, a wide variety of positions. So that's super important to train the full range of motion with each movement. Uh, and also you bring up a good point that if someone has a shoulder issue specifically, to do the corrective exercise program and to add the guided shoulder prehab routine on top of that, I think is a really, really good combination because you're you're taking a program that corrects your whole body and then you're putting that extra emphasis on your shoulder. And, it, and it's cool because there's movements in the shoulder prehab routine like the dumbbell flies and things that could mm -hmm. potentially tweak a shoulder that is injured. But the reason that they're in there is because again, you want to be become strong in that position. So what I would just disclaimer with anything, uh, even the high pulls or overhead carries, if something does cause you pain immediately, it's okay to not do that workout or to go extremely light or just to put yourself through the range of motion. And literally, if it takes you backing it down to five pounds, just to get out of pain, that could be what it takes for you to bridge the gap. So you could do it under a higher load without. Pain. So keep that in mind. You don't have to just brave every single workout all the time, no matter what. You do have to have some self-awareness when it comes to getting yourself out of pain, because even the best doctors in the world can't feel what you're feeling. <laughs> and this has been proven to me in my time with chiropractors and people that are extremely educated, extremely experienced, have the best intention. Uh, and it's like us. It's the same thing we're doing right now. We are doing our best to provide you with the tools that you need in the most digestible, realistic, affordable way possible. But it doesn't mean that you can just blindly do every single thing to the T that we say, because you're going to have to listen to your own body. So that was kind of a side rant, Josh. I'm sorry, but I'm really happy I got to make that point because it, people get so fixated on numbers where they're like, oh my gosh, but yes. if you said I have to do it this way, then I have to do it. And it, Mm. sometimes people just need to chill out and, and listen to themselves and trust themselves a little bit more. So I think that's great advice though with the shoulder impingement. So let's keep this sucker moving, man, because we have upper yeah. cross syndrome to talk about. What the heck is upper cross syndrome as I'm crouching over my desk right now? 
Uh, right. Yeah. As my head's jutted forward as I'm leaning into my laptop here. If you're sitting like a cashew, stop doing that right now. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Never thought of it that way. A cashew. <laughs> That's the strangest but most accurate metaphor. <laughs> yeah. That was good, Amber. I like that. I'm going to start using that. Yeah. So, well, as Amber kind of alluded to, yeah, like you kind of like upper cross syndrome is more like the technical term that like the National Academy of Sports Medicine would use to describe kind of when you see it's basically like a postural issue that looks like you have the rounded shoulders and your head's jutted forward. Maybe your shoulders are shrugged up. It's really common for people who have desk jobs or spend a lot of time sitting, people who like, we're on our phones all the time. And which which honestly is, is probably all of us. I think if you just stop to be aware of it when you're sitting, like it's easy to like have your neck jutted forward um, or your shoulders pinched up by your ears. Um, mm-hmm. So the goal to try to counter it is to not only build strong, healthy shoulders, as we were mentioning, but really to just improve your posture and relieve some of that tension in your neck, head and shoulders. So in the gym, really, it'll, it'll kind of go back to that shoulder prehab routine. Like you want to release your chest and, and then also start to get into your lats a little bit, like do some foam rolling, release work on your lats, and then get more strength, not just activation. Like we really want strengthening in your rear delts, lower middle traps, kind of those muscles in the middle, upper part of your back. And some of the movements in the corrective exercise program can really help with that. So again, things like rear delt flies, uh, we have ones called TRX SOSs or like a TRX overhead fly, band pull aparts, supermans, uh, the two position wall and chest wall stretches. And again, even like the overhead carries really just, I think as you start to improve range of motion in your shoulder, improve core strength, and then really just be conscious of keeping your shoulder blades pulled down, pulling your head back. And yeah, those are kind of the main things that you'll start to see begin to help that. You know, there's a, there's a cue I really like to have people use when they find themselves in that hunched forward posture and it's the chin tuck or it's more of so a technique. Have you messed with that at all, Josh? We have a blog post for it on the website about the chin tuck. Uh, I, I don't think I have. No. Yeah. So we have <laughs> the first of all, <laughs> it's just a reminder of how much content we have that isn't organized enough for Even you two have seen that we have the chin tuck thing. But in all fairness, I think we launched that like an article like a year ago. But a good note for me. By the way, I have to mention, I have two lacrosse balls on my desk. And as you were talking about where you're tight with upper cross syndrome, I could just feel the tightness through my pec minor and my chest. And I got to start working on this lacrosse ball right now. So anyways, I'm massaging my chest right now. But I have to say that uh, the chin tuck is essentially you finding that your head is jutted forward and literally taking your index finger and putting it on the center of your chin, maybe got a dimple in there, and you just push that sucker back. And it literally is just Mm. going to align your neck and your spine so that you're not in that jutted forward position anymore. And you don't need to go full on double chin mode. Like you're just trying to, you know, look crazy, but you just push it back to the point where now you're comfortable. I think having a relaxed jaw is also very important. I do find myself sometimes mm-hmm. clenching my jaw, which adds a lot of tension through your head. And even the the neck tightness through your, I think it's your sternocleidomastoid or whatever these two yeah. neck front muscles are. Is that right, Josh? Yeah, I yeah. forgot the actual name of them, but the two muscles that come down the front 
outside of your neck, those things get really, really tight. And this is all because you spend more time in that shortened position with your head jutted forward and your shoulders rounded. So everything you said about opening up or tissue work, you want to take a lacrosse ball, you want to take your fingers, um, you can get a, mas- a professional massage, you get a foam roller, a Theragun, something, and you blast that whole front side of your body like literally everything that is shortened or rounded. And then you strengthen everything in your back to help open you up and be able to hold that position. Because the stronger you are in that position, the less likely you are to return to that position. And of course, it Mm -hmm. takes awareness. It takes those constant reminders. uh, But that is really your body getting back into alignment. And like what you said, you can't just go to the chiropractor. It's a very important and very helpful step, but your body's just going to, your, your muscles are what's pulling your body in and out of position. So if you just go get cracked yeah. and then you don't do anything to fix your muscles, you're just going to get pulled right back out of position. So that's why the strength training on top of the deep tissue and stretching is such an important follow-up because it's essentially like the, you know, the stretching is the immediate tension release and the strengthening is the long-term fix. You know what I mean? But you need them all together. Yeah. No, I couldn't have said that better. I got to say too, I don't know if I'm sure you've thought about this, Josh, but mountain biking is one thing as far as poor posture goes. Amber, I'm sure you've thought about this too, but road biking and any drop bar bike. Oh my gosh. The position you're in is horrendous. It's taken me years to get over that fact that we are just that we are in a sport that performance requires a very poor postural position, pretty much end of story. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Like, how do you, how do you come to terms with that? I'd say this is, no, you're exactly right. Uh, and I think for, it, it's going to be for a lot of the riders that are in that aero position, like road, gravel, and, and even triathletes. Oh, especially that TT position. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's not ideal, but sometimes you gotta you gotta pay to play. This is uh, this is what we love, and but it is important, like it, it to kind of dive into it here on the bike. This is where a proper fit and and core strengthening can have a massive impact. Um, Bingo. Yeah. So and, and then once you have that fit, and, and I can speak from personal experience here. Um, just once I got a true fit on my road bike, it, it made a big difference, but you really then have to be intentional about your positioning on the bike as well, because you can have the fit proper, but then it really takes conscious effort to draw your shoulder blades down your back and keep your elbows close and keep your core turned on to maintain a solid body position, like kind of throughout your torso as you're riding. Right. Um, and again, yeah, this is, that's, that's going to be huge for, for all of us that are on the road bike, on the gravel bike, um, and, and in that aero position, getting a proper fit, um, I think can resolve a lot of people's issues and then just being conscious of your, of your position. Dude, absolutely. And what you said about core strength is so true because you just having a strong core that is not on the verge of already being angry in regards to low back pain, which I know we're going to, we're about to get into. It's like, okay, all the work that you're doing on the bike is to allow yourself basically more time in an unhealthy position and staying comfortable. So what you said, you got to pay to play. It is so true. When you think about it, you know that you're going to be in this position, but if your body is already on the brink of an injury, because you're so imbalanced to begin with going and jumping into a TT position, it's probably not going to take very long before you start to feel pain or get uncomfortable. But if you're in a super healthy, mobilized, balanced state 24 seven, it's going to be longer and longer before it gets you to be uncomfortable in that weird rounded position, or you're in the drops on your road bike and your, your neck is getting tight. Those things don't 
they, they take longer to happen. I'm not going to say they will never happen, but they take much longer to happen and you stay way more comfortable when you come in in a balanced state, especially as someone who continues to practice the sport. You know, you can't step away from the bike for two years and get extremely perfectly balanced and mobile and feel comfortable on the bike. But if you're gaining that balance and you're getting your body corrected, quote unquote, while you're training and you're continuing this process on the bike, you'll continue to adapt to it more comfortably. Your body's better off the bike. And that's why we do it. And so... Uh, don't feel like you going into that position is erasing what you're doing off the bike. I'm not going to say it's helping, but it's just, it's part of the, it, it's, you got to pay to play. Just like you said, it is part of the process. Uh, and it's why even more that we believe in what we do, because we see the impact that it has, you know, it's not just, you don't just have to settle for the pain. And so with that being said, let's talk about low back pain. I mean, this is like the biggest talking point among cyclists when you talk about pain, because whether it is a TT position or whether it is a downhilling or a hard cross country ride, I'll tell you from experience, I think really punchy XC rides are the thing that if I feel like any type of tension in my back have been getting me a little bit or, or I've noticed it where I'm like, Ooh, I even kind of noticed some tired low back strain and I don't ever even feel it. So that's, that's been kind of interesting too. But anyways, what the heck is happening with low back pain? Why is it happening to people on the bike? Well, yeah. And kind of like you said too, another area that I see a lot, if I'm on like a really long descent on my enduro, um, I'm talking like, like a 10, 12 minute plus descent. Um, especially if it's in a race where you're really having to crank on the pedals and hold a strong body position, or if you're on a intense road ride where you're like, like I was on one last night and we were just like smashing up this climb. And I noticed like my, my low back really started to kind of get a little irritated, but to kind of go back to where we were at here. And I know you did a podcast on this previously, Derek, but simply low back pain is usually caused by a lack of lower abdominal strength and, and glute strength. Another big part of that too is, uh, and especially with cyclists, is having a short rec fem. So your rectus femoris um, is is one of your main quad muscles, and it's also a primary hip flexor. It's the only muscle in the quadriceps group that crosses over the hip. Um, and when that thing gets tight, it'll really pull your hips down into that anterior pelvic tilt and just starts yanking on your low back. That's just where it all comes to a head. So to, again, to kind of go back to what we were saying earlier, in addition to foam rolling and release work and, and the static stretching, you really want to spend time under tension for, especially for that rec fem to try to start to add some more permanent length to it. Slow tempo Bulgarian split squats are one of my absolute favorite exercises. That's if I had to pick one that I, I love to hate, and I know Amber loves them too. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are brutal, but they are so effective, especially if you can if you can keep your hips pushed forward while you're doing it and really do, again, like a slow tempo, like at least a three to five second lowering and then a three second back up. It just, again, it's that, that time under tension. Can we, can we dive into where the rectus femoris is specifically? So you you want to give the people a really good visual of the muscle you're talking about. So if it's the only quadricep that crosses your hip, could you kind of tell someone where it starts and ends essentially? It originates at your ASIS, which is kind of that bony impinge or that, that bony protrusion kind of on the outside of your hip. And then it crosses down basically like right down the middle of your quad. Like if you ever feel like you have tight hips, usually it's, it's probably that guy, either that or it's your psoas is playing a role a little bit too, but your rec fem is kind of right in the middle of your quad and goes right up across across your hip. 
Okay, perfect. And it's cool you say that because that couch stretch position that you're in with a Bulgarian split squat, essentially you have your rear foot elevated onto a bench or a box that's about, you know, let's just say mid chin toward knee height. And you have that back foot elevated. You, If you went down and dropped that elevated legs knee on the ground, you can now hit that muscle group for a stretch really well. And what's cool, what Josh is saying is if you keep your hips in a, a forward position, which means that you're just not completely hinged the whole time during your Bulgarian split squat, you're going to get a great stretch along with some strengthening in that range of motion, which is going to be really important for you to actually gain the mobility that you want in that area. So it's basically yeah. just think the whole upper portion, front part, of your quad and it's it's a cool point you bring up dude because i am so adamant about saying you know low ab activation and strength glute activation and strength for fixing back pain which it is true it's a huge component of it but sometimes you could have such a hard time turning on your abs or turning on your glutes because you have a muscle like this rectus femoris that is so tight that until you address it you're not going to get the right signal to your body or your body's just going to kind of for lack of a better term glitch out when you're trying to recruit these muscles because there's this interference. And a lot of people feel that with their psoas, which has gotten more popular over the years, which is that deep muscle through your abdomen. You also have your hip flexor in the front. So those are all areas to check out. But I think uh, for the purpose of what we're talking about now, adding some attention to your rectus femoris and a movement like a Bulgarian split squat, like a slow tempo is a really cool idea. Um, so I love that. I'm stoked you added it. And I want to point out too, the one thing he mentioned about pulling you into an anterior pelvic tilt is essentially, it's weird to think, but the muscle in the front side of your body shortening could, it's going to pull, I guess, your belly button forward, if you think of it that way, which is going to mean you kind of arch out your low back and you get that cheerleader butt thing going. The problem is, as soon as you do that, you have no low ab activation because you're extended. And it's likely that you're going to recruit the muscles in your low back opposed to your glutes. So then it's just a recipe for a disaster. So getting that muscle lengthened and strengthened will allow your hips to get back into a posterior tilt, getting into a neutral spine position where you can have low ab activation and glute activation and no interference from that quadricep. And now your low back is doing what it's meant to do and not it's not having to stabilize and, and compensate for the lack of engagement in those other areas. So I'm sorry if that sounded too complex. I tried to make it as simple as possible. And it's because we're not trying to overcomplicate things, but these are real issues that people have. And again, when you're trying to figure out what the heck is wrong with your body, it's also a good reason to have a wide approach to it. And hopefully you can continue to narrow it down. Uh, but at least starting with a wide approach, maybe you don't know which movement it is exactly that's helping you. You just know the whole program is working. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, is it the glute activation? Is it the stretch of the rec, rec fem? I don't know yet, but I'm going to keep going. And then I can slowly try and figure it out while these results continue. Do you feel like a lot of the low back issues that cyclists get... Are they a lot of people I think maybe get hip and low back pain kind of the same it's they think it's the same thing or are the corrective exercises similar for both is there like a you know Venn diagram where a lot of the similar movements for hip pain are the same for low back pain that's my question is the correction similar for low back pain as it is hip I think it definitely can be I hate to say it depends on the individual but it really does and I would want to assess each like individual person to see like exactly what the issue is. But I definitely think there's, there's a lot of crossover. If you're having some hip pain and low back pain there, there could be a lot of the same exercises that, uh, that go together to fix it. Especially the, the mobility stuff. You know, you think of like a pigeon stretch, for example, which a lot of people know. 
for opening up your hips, but it also lengthens your glutes, which takes tension off your low back. So there is a crossover in that sense. But as you were saying that, Josh, I was thinking, I remember there's there's different ways to test and find out if someone's mobility is restricted at their hips. And I'm trying to think of what that test was. It's so sad to say that I haven't done this a for a while with people, but when someone had a poor squat and they were falling forward, essentially with their back, and I needed to figure out whether it was their ankles or their hips, <laughs> I would have a test where I had them lay on the ground and essentially just bring their knees up toward their chest. And yeah. their ability to do that would show you whether or not it's their hip range of motion. And if they had good hip range of motion, you could tell pretty quickly that it's probably their ankles that's causing their upper body to fall forward. Which I know, by the way, this is probably, this is pretty random mobility assessment stuff, but I'm trying to think, how would you test someone's low back for mobility? Because essentially your low back is not supposed to be that mobile per se, uh, which is kind of an interesting way to think about it. Your mid back is supposed to be where the majority of your mobility comes from, and you're supposed to get a mm -hmm. lot of stability from your low back. But then again, it's like, I guess I answered my own question. I've never had a low back mobility test. It's usually in, in, in the lines of a hip test and a hamstring test. And then I will say what I've noticed, especially with some CrossFit athletes, is they'll have these crazy overdeveloped erector spinae muscles that run up and down the side of their low back. And they're almost like protruding to the point where you can't even see that neutral spine curvature. Do you know what I'm talking about, Josh? Have you ever noticed this, yeah, Amber, where yeah, someone has totally. a crazy, it looks like two snakes running up and down their back. Yeah, you know I have seen about? that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that could be a compensation or it could just be raw strength and hypertrophy. It's probably a mix of both for a lot of those people. But yeah, Josh, have you have you done a mobility testament? For assessment for low back, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. So one thing that comes to mind and one way that I would kind of test really instead of mobility, what you want to test, I think is a really good thing to test is core control and somebody's ability to brace through their low back and through Ooh. through their just through their core and their torso in general. And I think one test that you can do, kind of like you mentioned, Derek, like I would lay somebody on their back and then slot their knee up towards their shoulders to test their hips. And then I would have my hand underneath their low back to see if there's any sort of shifting. And then mm. one way to test kind of the range of motion of that rec fem to see if you're really tight. And, and maybe we can get into this at some point, like actually create like some kind of protocol for people to be able to do these assessments themselves so they can kind of see exactly where they fall individually. We have the mobility program, which it's actually something where I think we should I've thought about taking the overhead squat assessment out of it to do it in a more individualized way because it's yeah. in a way it's almost hidden in the mobility program, but it basically takes the overhead squat assessment, uh, which we're trained on, which I'm a huge believer in through NASM mm -hmm. and it breaks down. Okay. If you are, if your arms are falling forward, here's what you mobilize. Here's what you strengthen. If your knees are falling inward and you have valgus, here's what's happening. If your heels are raising or your, you have pronation of your feet, here's what's a foam roll. Here's what to strengthen. And it's funny because I created that program. It's very in-depth. It works very well for a lot of people, but there is not a low back mobilizing type assessment. And I think it, again, it's like I had to talk myself through that to remember, oh, it's not because of these reasons. And what you said about focusing on bracing, like your ability to brace your core and not shift in your low back under tension, that is the real test because that's what your low back is supposed to do. So I, I love that you nailed that point. And it makes me think of doing like a overhead inchworm walkout or some kind of pal-off mm -hmm. press 
you know, for people listening, let's just think of a Paloff press. This is a great example because it's very simple. A Paloff press is you holding a cable or a band that's attached about chest height. And you would walk laterally away from wherever it's attached. So if it's attached on a cable machine, you would be facing perpendicular. So basically the cable is running alongside of your body and you have both hands on the handle, preferably inside hand on the grip other outside hand on top for my OCD. Now you would step away and you would make sure there's tension on that cable or band. And from there, you would literally press it straight out. So your feet are about shoulder width, maybe a little bit wider. You press that straight out. And as your hands get away from you, it's increasing the tension on your core. Now, when you see someone do this and they do not have good core stability, I mean, Josh, I know you've seen it. What happens? Their hips, their hips shift to the side and they get all cockeyed. And so when someone is able to brace their core and they understand how to translate that force from their shoulder through their core to their hip, to their foot, all of that, (laughs) because that uh, mind muscle connection is so important when they press out and they're solid as a rock and they stay vertical and there's no contortion in their torso, that's how, you know, they have a really strong core and you can do similar things with plank walkouts and there's all sorts of, you know, an ab wheel. uh, Well, that's maybe not a good example because you're not standing unless you're an absolute beast, but what you're saying about bracing is that that is the ultimate test. And so it's a great point for anyone listening. Yeah. Yeah. I think another way to test that too, and and to kind of go back to the mobility assessment real quick, a a good way to test to see if you have some major tightness in your rec fin would be to lay down and, and you'd have to have somebody do this for you. Like you'd need a partner for it, but lay down on your stomach and have somebody take your heel to your butt. And if your hips are shifting, then usually that'll indicate that you have a lack of core control. Cause that, that's like a test that I'll do with somebody is I will try to take their heel to their butt. First of all, to see if I can get their heel all the way to their butt. And if I can't, then usually it means there's some tightness in the rec fem that needs to be addressed. But then even if I can, a lot of times there's hip shifting. And if I tell somebody to brace, usually it goes away. So mm, um, nice. one of the a really, really good movement for that. I'm a huge fan of Paloff presses first of all, like I, I think it's one of the best movements you can do. And then, and there's so many different variations too. You can start with just the pressing straight out, or you can go from, from a half kneeling stance and then eventually start to add some rotations in to really train a little bit more range of motion through your spine and gain some mobility, mobility there. Um, but one of my absolute favorite core exercises is the hollow body hold. I, I think, so for those who don't know what a hollow body hold is, basically you are laying on your back in what's called a tabletop position. You have your knees bent a 90 degree angle and your hands extended towards the ceiling. And then you just try to extend your arms and your legs and hold that position. And it really, if if you're focusing on that posterior tilt, you'll probably start to get a little bit of a shake as you extend your legs out, but it's a really, really good way to build core control and foundational core strength. Um, And also I find it's really effective for those who are dealing with something like upper cross syndrome. I have a guy I'm working Mm -hmm. with right now who planks really for as good as a plank is, they kind of irritate his shoulders and hollow holds take the pressure off of your neck and shoulders. And because of that posterior tilt, I I find you get a little bit better low ab engagement with a hollow body hold compared to a plank. I found sometimes it's it's really difficult for people to figure out how to turn on their low abs from a plank position, um, even 
even even with good queuing, it's just kind of a weird thing that they have to to figure out for themselves. Oh, yeah, it is, so it is definitely less obvious. Bubble. Yeah, that's a yeah. great point you make. And before we get on to the knee fix and the knee pain that we want to talk about, I have to just add one thing <laughs> is that although the goal is to not be mobile in your low back and it's to have a really strong mind muscle connection, be able to brace, have that strength there, you can do stretches to alleviate pain in your low back. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to point this out because it does sound a little contradictory, especially because I <laughs> we actually just took photos on this, Brady, because I want to do some content around this stretch. And it sounds contradictory because I'm saying, oh, the goal is not to be mobile in your low back. But I do understand how those muscles we talked about, your erector spinae, can get tight, but it's your quadratus lumborum, which is like, it's like a deeper muscle in your low back that's a little bit wider on each side. And that muscle is where people feel a lot of low back pain. And if you are noticing that and you want to stretch it and give it some temporary relief, again, it's only temporary if you do not do the strength training on top of it, but you would do Mm -hmm. essentially a wide leg hamstring stretch where you reach with the opposite hand across your body. So you can do it from standing, but I think seated is the best position. You sit down, legs are wide. If you can't reach your toes, grab a towel or a band, throw it around your toe. But the goal is if I'm going to try and stretch the right side of my low back, I'm going to reach with my right hand toward my left toe. And you got to go the opposite way across your body. And that reach, the goal is to not do a hamstring stretch. The goal is to reach with your opposite hand and hit that low part of your back. And you'll feel it if you do it the correct direction. So I just wanted to add that in there because it is a very valuable tool that I've used um, that although you should not rely on it, it is there to, you know, be used and get yourself out of you know pain temporarily so that's a lot of good practical stuff for people to work with i know overhead carries are another thing you wanted to point out and there's gosh we could go down the laundry list of ways to improve your core (laughs) bracing but let's talk about knee pain because this is another huge area and i think we should start with patella pain because i in my opinion it's a little bit more simple than it band pain would you agree with that for the most part Totally. Maybe simple totally. is not the right word, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try not to get too deep into the weeds here, but we'll start with like kind of patellar pain and tendon health and then kind of how we specifically, or I've seen it specifically with cyclists. Um, and then maybe dive into an example of, of some programming for how, how you can start to go about relieving it a little bit. But yeah, so your patella is, it's just below the center of your knee. It's like the main tendon that runs across your knee. So um, really common, I think for riders to see pain there and usually, so to dive into tendon health here, tendinopathy, or which is also called tendinosis. It's more of that chronic degenerative breakdown of tissue different than tendinitis. Tendinitis is more from an acute injury. And usually that'll go away within a week or two with things like ice and rest and just proper care for it, just staying off of it. But for people who have that chronic pain, you'll know that this is something you deal with too. If, if it starts to get better with a warm up, like as you start to move more and your body, like you slowly start to warm up, you notice your pain starts to go away. But when you're kind of just walking around doing your thing in everyday life, it's really bothering you. And that's a sign you might have more. You might have more tendinosis opposed to tendinitis. Thank you. I'm sorry for interrupting you on that, but I'm so happy you made that point because I always tell people if it feels better after you warm up, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that it Mm -hmm. can be fixed 
through yes. uh, corrective exercise. And, and that, is, yeah. that has been my personal experience and the experience I've had with hundreds, if not thousands of people at this point is that if you can warm up and it goes it goes away for the most part or it goes away completely, at least while you're doing your activity, there's a lot of hope for you to fix this. If not, it could be tendonitis and you have some inflammation and you need some rest and some some time to actually get that inflammation down. So thank you for distinguishing the difference because I think that's that nugget right there is enough of a gem to, <laughs> to make this whole hour valuable in my opinion, because it's such a great point. And it's the kind of stuff that, you know, we talk about frequently with clients in person that we want to get better about addressing with people through other forms of content like this. So anyways, you nailed that dude. Thank you. So let's say you've confirmed that it's most likely tendinosis. What do you do yeah. with that patella pain? So really what you what you want to do is load it. So to get into it with cycling specifically, like cycling is considered a form of what's called cyclic loading. So it's basically just like this continuous and repetitive stress that slowly breaks your body down. Uh, it slowly breaks your tissues down. So things like running, gymnastics, cycling, um, just a lot of endurance sports in general. And even though cycling is low impact, when you're repeatedly putting that demand on your body, like it, it's catabolic, like you're breaking down your muscles, you're not doing anything to help build them up. So you want to load it. And and really, like if you're a cyclist, and you're not incorporating strength training, and you have chronic pain, like this should this should hit home a little bit, your body is craving a load because you're weak. And mobility for as good as it is, like you should have a base of mobility and flexibility, but that doesn't count as strength work. What you really need is load. Like you can, you can get off the bike and do yoga, but it won't be nearly as beneficial as doing some load bearing activity for your cartilage and tissue. And I get that a lot of riders are worried about putting on bulk and you want that lean upper body. And, and that is a valid argument, but there's so much more that goes into adding bulk. And Derek, I know you covered this in one of your early podcasts on why why cyclists can't get bulky. But yeah, so to go about like fixing kind of your chronic pain, and especially if it has to do with tendon health, um, the ability to load and create tension is, is going to be incredibly valuable. Is it almost like building up your bone density in a sense with your tendons? Is it a similar concept of you load up, your body has to adapt to withstand that future force because it's expecting it now. So your body yes. makes your bones denser and firmer. It's the same thing happening with your tendons. Exactly. Exactly. So a good way to think of it is think like a box of spaghetti for your tendons. Like a healthy tendon is going to be like the spaghetti packed tightly in the box, right? And mm -hmm. when your tendons just over time, especially if you're doing a lot of repetitive motions like cycling, they start to get frayed a little bit. So think like the spaghetti noodles are starting to break apart a little bit. And the way that you start to improve that is through strength training and very intentional. It has to be very intentional programming. And over time, over an 8, 10, 12 week period with heavy load, those tendons start to slowly come back together. Like all, all the, oh, the, those fibers start to come back together. And um, so it, it, I, I don't know, it gets metaphor. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Yeah. I love that metaphor. And I think for now on, I'm going to refer to anyone that's weak as broken spaghetti because it's just like, <laughs> I love it. guys, I was totally broken spaghetti and I don't have that anymore. I just realized while we were having this conversation that I had this exact thing and it just like magically really? went away. And I bet it was because of like, cause I was doing strength training and like fixed itself. What, what was that Amber? Was it the lat issue? No, I had a lot of knee pain, this exact thing. And that this was before I started dialed and all of that has gone away. And I didn't realize that it had all gone away, but I bet that's why. 
it's, yeah. it's crazy, but I've been preaching durability more and more because I'm getting into bigger rides and more time on my bike. And as someone who very rarely rides more than 10 hours a week, but I can go out and all of a sudden do these monster, you know, 12, uh, 15, 20 hour rides without some crazy pain stemming from it or me, you know, waking up and not being able to move my leg because my IT band so flared up or whatever. It, it makes a lot of sense that this would be a, a big part of the explanation. You know, when you combine the load bearing tendon and, and bone benefits, you have emphasis on making your body more balanced through corrective exercise. And then you just do that consistently. I mean, <laughs> how, how do you argue against that? And then you even talk to somebody like about muscle gain, and this is a whole other rant, but it's like, okay, so yeah. <laughs> you're saying that you're going to but first off, it's not even guaranteed that you're going to put on legitimate weight. Let's just say you put on two to five pounds total. And that two yeah. to five pounds is extra bone density. It's having a little bit more muscle spread across your entire body. It's not like you do a dialed health program and you get five pounds of muscle in your biceps. That That is literally impossible. But you it would be spread evenly across your body. So it, which hopefully if you do it the right way with our programs, you, it makes you more balanced. So you're a more balanced body. You're a more durable body. You are a stronger body. You've been doing complex exercises in unstable environments, which means you have a better mind muscle connection. You guys, how are the benefits from that ever not going to outweigh the potential downside of five pounds? You guys, I could, you know, I left five pounds in the toilet before this podcast. Okay. It's five <laughs> pounds. So like you guys, you know what I'm saying? I cannot handle that argument anymore. And thank God the narrative has changed to the point where no one and no one argues the value of strength training really in cycling. It's just people who have the excuse of weight or whatever. Or here's the thing. No one really argues the value of it, but most people are still doing it incorrectly. So these problems are arising. And this is where we come in. So I'm sorry. Another side rant, Josh. But this is why I'm so stoked to have you part of the team, man, because it gets me back into that trainer environment, uh, which truthfully, I miss being around more trainers like I was at gyms. I've noticed this ever since I own my own studios. Like you miss the camaraderie and the little things you learn on a daily basis just because, you know, I got Josh over here calling me broken spaghetti and then I find out why. <laughs> and and then I'm like, oh, dude, that's that. Okay. <laughs> so that's how you get out of this patella pain. And I, I want to mention also that because your patella essentially, I don't want to say it ties into your quadriceps because that's not technically accurate. But what it, when you have tight quadriceps, which is very common with cycling, sometimes just foam rolling your quads can put enough slack down the line to reduce the tension on your patella and get you out of knee pain. And so if you're not having those issues from load bearing, maybe you are load bearing and you're having, you know, your strength training regularly, but you're feeling the patella issues, foam roll your quads. I just taught you, I wish you guys could see my DM sometimes, seriously, because this is the, I just had this conversation with somebody. They're like, man, I'm getting knee pain. What should I do? I asked them where it was at. Sounded like patella. I say, Hey, just try foam rolling your quads. Do it every single day, slowly, you know, two to five minutes until you're out of pain. And let me know essentially if it works, Give it, if you're not out of pain in two weeks, we could definitely move on. You think about this, you guys, this is, well, at the time it was free advice. I don't even know if this was a Dodd fan member. The risk reward is essentially all reward here because it's such a minimum time investment, yada, yada. Long story short, he came back and said, dude, my knee pain's gone. I just foam rolled my quads. That's it. So remember, it can be also something that simple. Now, IT band, 
uh, obviously a different issue. This is something I'm extremely experienced with from personal experience. In fact, the very first huge trail ride I did triggered IT band syndrome for me, and I dealt with it for years, crippling to the point where I was limping out of bed. I could not do a squat. My knee is super swollen, and I have flare-ups from time to time, but it is something I'm very aware of. And this one's interesting because the IT band basically connects into the front of your hip through your TFL, and it connects below your knee. So it crosses two major joints. So there's a lot of muscle involved, and there's a lot of things you do need to do to correct it. All I'm going to tell you guys right now, use the IT band rehab or prehab. I can't remember actually what it's called on the website because it's going to run you through the foam rolling and deep tissue work you need to do. It's going to run you through the stretching you need to do. And most importantly, it's going to give you the exercises you need to do, which are going to involve your hip, your glute medius, which is a knee stabilizer. And it's also, I can't remember the other strengthening off the top of my head in that video, but go use it. It's it's literally the routine that it's taken me from not being able to walk to being able to do a gnarly ride or a workout in that same exact day within 20 minutes of time. I kid you not. And when I say, oh, you know, you should have hope if a good warm up can get you out of pain. That is my proof right there. I've experienced it. So go and check that out. I think you both did such a good job and the conversation has been so good because it's just explaining how things feel and the ways to correct it is giving all of us so much confidence to be aware of our bodies and how to correct our issues that literally everyone has. And so, I mean, this has been good conversation and I appreciate both of your knowledge and, you know, you're giving everyone so much relief. Seriously. I have found myself breathing a sigh of relief of like, oh man, like it's really not that big of a deal. I just have to do X, Y, Z. Like I know where to start now. And I think that everybody else probably feels the same way. Well, that's, that's cool to hear. And that's why Derek and I both got into this. Like we love trying to help people. And and I think it's empowering for, for those who do deal with chronic pain to know that it can go away and that you can be an active participant in your own care to make it happen. You don't just have to sit around. Y'all want to get into some rapid fire? Yeah. I think we should, because we could just talk about this kind of stuff forever. Josh, hopefully we'll be talking about it for years and years to come. And we'll just have you back on the podcast soon. So that being said, I really want to make sure the Dialed fam in particular gets to know Josh. He's our new trainer. He's a part of the core Dialed Health team. We just created this one program together, but it's the first of many. Uh, And he's also going to be in touch back and forth with a lot of people for support on picking programs, on training advice, and all these things moving forward. So it's only right that you get to know Josh. And Amber has set up some rapid fire questions. And remember, I'm shutting up right now. These are rapid fires. I need quick responses. And Amber, I have confidence in your questions. So take it away, you guys. Yeah. Okay. So the rapid fire questions, I have some rapid fire, and then we're going to do a little bit of word association. So up first on rapid fire, live to work or work to live? Mm, Live to work. Is life a computer simulation? Yes or no? No, I believe God has amazing plans for all of us. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What is one part of your everyday routine that you'd be better off without? Mm, That crack cocaine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Coked out Charlie Sheen. Oh, jeez. I'd say probably, I really try to be mindful of my caffeine intake, and that's another total thing I could go off about, but I probably that midday coffee and- I don't know. It's not like the end of the world, but... Uh, As you slurp your coffee. One character has to go. Do you write off Patrick Star or Sandy? Oh, Sandy. No sure. Sandy? <laughs> you can't get rid of Patrick. Okay. For the record, Josh Josh really <laughs> likes Spongebob. I made him send me a bio earlier this week, so... Uh, <laughs> Do you have a nickname? Yes, I have a couple. So one of the guys that I ride with started calling me J-Rock, and 
I, I didn't know where it was from, but I guess he's the white rapper from Trailer Park Boys. Oh my God. And honestly, I think it's kind of fitting. I think it's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a couple of word associations. I'm not going to do all of them because there were a lot, but I think it's great. So I want to, you just say the first thing that comes to mind, right? Okay. okay. First one, morning workouts. Big fan. Uh, not before 7 a.m. <laughs> Weekend rides. Usually big, usually on the mountain bike. Consistency. Best way to get results. Commitment. Own your role. Balance. No such thing. Like you have to prioritize and and execute. Like pick what you got to prioritize. Ketchup. Does belong on eggs. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing so good, Josh. (laughs) You triggered me. Okay. Fitness influencers. Well, Derek, of course. (laughs) I'm honored. I'd say... <laughs> uh, probably Marcus Philly and Jeremy Scott are two big okay. ones. Uh, failure. Growth. Okay. And lastly, dialed health protocol. What comes to mind? Believe in it. Get your strength training in, people. Okay. That was all I had, guys. I thought that was super fun. Amber, that was <laughs> awesome. That was so yeah, that was good. And for everyone listening, Amber, I had no part in creating those. So as you were asking the questions and doing the word association, I didn't even look at them. So that was fun for me. <laughs> Dude, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. And Derek, bravo, man. You didn't even put your fist in your mouth that oh. whole time. Look at you go. Oh, man. That might be a thing if I'm, if I'm on the pod more too, because I think Derek and I are real similar. I could... I'm a talker. I could go off yeah. all over the literally place. Literally, so. when you sent, me, you sent me the buy on, I'm like, he's just like Derek 2.0. He's literally the same person. <laughs> like, won't eat gluten. <laughs> I'm dairy. I have a sensitive tummy. And so, anyways, do you know, dude, that was rad. It's so funny when you have these rapid fires or the word associations, anything quick. I don't know what it is it that that's in me. Maybe this is like a lot of people listening. I feel like I have to tell you what it means to me. I just have to for some reason. I don't know why. And so if you're listening right now, is that are you listening and saying it out loud in your car or whatever? Or do you want to tell us what it is? That's that's the most curious thing is like in my head, you need to know what I'm thinking also. And that's the hard part. Maybe I'm just completely narcissistic. Anyways, you guys killed it. That was super fun. And I got to say before we wrap it up, I'm just super proud of our team. Honestly, now I, you know, wish Brady was on this too because uh, it's just cool to see the camaraderie. And uh, I think I know specifically this week, I think we've had our most productive week ever because of some leadership change things with us using our Trello board and long story short, just management stuff. It's like we we're getting into what feels like a real flow at this point after so many changes and changes. So it's really exciting. So anyways, I just want to thank you guys before we go. I want to thank the Dialed fam for making all this happen because bringing Josh onto the team has been really, really cool. So if you're not already doing it, go follow Josh on Instagram. Josh, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, it's just Josh Rasmussen 22. We'll leave it in the show description notes because you'll probably spell his last name wrong like we all did for the first two months uh, <laughs> talking with Josh. <laughs> and so uh, go and follow him there. He's posting great strength training content. We're also reposting some of his stuff and we'll be doing more collaboration stuff in the future. Bam. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, Josh. It's been a really good time to get to know you a little more. You know, we've had like team meetings and stuff, but this has been a blast. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah. This honestly felt like a team meeting being on here with you guys. And uh, I'm super excited about the team that we have building. And yeah, Brady, wish you were here, man. Yeah. Excited to keep growing. I feel like I still have a ton I can learn. Kind of never really stop learning and, and excited to 
continue bringing good stuff to the Dialed fam. So thank you guys for the opportunity and, and the support. That is a wrap, Dialed fam. Another great week in the books. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app, which will really help us grow. And screenshot that you're listening to the episode, post it to your Instagram story, and tag Dialed Health. This lets your friends know what you're listening to, and it really helps us grow organically, which is super important for us as we continue to grow on our end. But without a doubt, the most important thing you can do is go to dialedhealth.com and get yourself a membership, but most importantly, go get results. Use the programs and use the workouts to get out of pain and become essentially the strongest, best cyclist on and off the bike that you can possibly be. And with that being said, you guys, start moving forward. We will see you next Monday.